So we are on a series called Intersects. How intentional are you about connecting with unbelievers? This is a question that we're asking. God is always working to intersect our lives with people who do not know him so that we can allow God to influence and touch their lives in a powerful way through us. And this sermon series is all about reaching out. And when God allows our lives to intersect with others, there can be an internal impact made. Now, this was supposed to be a two-week series that we're giving in one sermon. Usually, I go about 40 minutes. Today, I'm shooting for about 47. So we'll see how that goes. Some of you are laughing nervously. That's okay. Uh, we're going to be diving into Joshua 2. So if you have your Bibles or you have your Version app, uh, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. And uh, we're going to do some reading today, which is good because we're in church. So we're going to be reading our Bibles. Uh, we're going to be talking about Rahab and the spies. Let me set this up for you a little bit here, though. Um, Israel, God's chosen people, have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. Uh, I'm uh, 38, so uh, all my life, plus two, they've been wandering in the desert. Now, it should have only taken about 11 days or so to get to the promised land. But they weren't able to enter because of their disobedience and unbelief. And in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord commands Joshua to take the land he has promised to his people. And he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And some of you need to hear that promise today. If you are God's child, that he will never leave you and he will never abandon you. And in chapter 1, it says, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now listen to this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go you go. I heard this quote this week, and I want to share it with you guys. God will never lead us where his grace cannot provide for us, or his power cannot protect us. You may want to write that down, or text it to yourself if you don't pen and paper. God will never lead us where his grace cannot provide us, or his power cannot protect us. All right, so let's dive in, Joshua 2, 
and we're going to read the whole chapter. So let's start off with verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the lands. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole lands. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from at dusk when it was time to close the city gates. The men left. I do not know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So the gate is shut and the spies are still in there. Before the spies lay down for the night, Rahab went up to the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given this land to you, and that is great fear of you, of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Ah, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Now listen to this. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, profession here, for the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us. You will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you do not tell that we are, are doing, we would treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us land. So she sent them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. That's interesting, three days. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land. You have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on your head. If a hand is laid on him, 
But if you tell that we are, if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet, scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down to the hills, forward to the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the, melting, all the people are melting in fear because of us. Think about the people in your life. I bet all of you can name at least one person who God has brought into your life who set an example of how a Christian should truly live. They weren't perfect, but they lived with a purpose. Maybe they invited you to a youth group, as we watch in the video here with those skit guys. Maybe they invited you to a college ministry, to the church service today. Maybe you had a conversation about faith in the break room. Maybe it was a family member that you only saw during the holidays, but you always enjoyed being around them because something inside of them was real and genuine. They had a joy in their lives, and you didn't know what it was at first, but then realized they had a relationship with Jesus. Now think where you would be in your life if your life didn't intersect with theirs maybe years ago, maybe decades ago. Would you even be here today? What would you be living for if you hadn't met them? As you think about those people and the positive influence they have been, it's important that you realize there is someone out there that needs to hear your story. Your life will intersect with theirs. And you have an opportunity to make a difference in their life, to be an agent of change to help redirect the course of their life. As Christians, as Christ, follower, Christ followers, as disciples, we have been commanded by Jesus to influence unbelievers to believe the gospel and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus never gives you a command without empowering you to carry it out. Let me repeat that one. Jesus never gives you a command without empowering you to carry it out. <clears throat> to illustrate how God works to assist us in this mission, we'll examine the life of a woman in the Bible named Rahab. One great preacher called Rahab the shady lady from Jericho. Because she was a prostitute, 
from the mighty fortress city of Jericho. They said that the walls in Jericho were so high and so wide that there's people that actually lived inside the walls, the first condos, so to speak. When we first meet Rahab, she's in a desperate situation. She's a pagan living in spiritual darkness. She's a harlot living in sinful depravity. She's a Canaanite destined for sure destruction, for, for sure eternal destruction. She is headed to hell. But when God is finished with her, she is transformed by his amazing grace and redeeming power. <clears throat> Instead of a pagan living in spiritual darkness, because of her faith, and because of what God does, she and her household will, will be spared from the judgment of God. Instead of a harlot living in sinful depravity, she becomes a happily married woman to, of all people, a prince from Israel. Instead of Canaanite, destined for sure destruction, Rahab becomes a part of the house in lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody like, say what? She becomes an ancestor in the flesh to Israel's Messiah. She becomes an ancestor. Rahab is the great grandmother of King David. And as you know, Jesus was born of the house and lineage of David. So in Jesus' lineage is a prostitute. Only God. Only God. Here is a woman who is transformed by the power of the God. He moves from the, she, she moves her from the house of shame to the hall of fame. In Hebrews 11, by faith, and it lists all of the biblical heroes that we read about as a child growing up. And Rahab is in Hebrews 11. Just another example how God can redeem anyone. Just another example that if you don't think God can redeem you, read Rahab, the story of Rahab. Just another example, if you think of a family member that is so far from God that God can still redeem him or her. Now, the word redeem means to buy out. The term was used specifically in reference to the purchase of a slave's freedom. The application of this term to Christ's death on the cross is quite telling. If we are redeemed, then our prior condition was one of slavery. God has purchased our freedom, and we are no longer slaves to sin. Hallelujah. Romans 6, you are dead to sin, alive in Christ. Listen, before Christ, you were a slave to sin. And all we, all we do is we sin because that's our identity. That's who we are. We are slaves to sin. But when God redeems you, when he buys you back, 
He gives you a new life, and you are no longer a slave to sin. You have a new master, and that is God, and that is God. So we're going to look at this sermon under three headings, under three headings. And number one, we're going to look at Rahab's confrontation, Rahab's confrontation. In Joshua 2, we see how the spies came to Rahab's house, and this is not coincidence, it's providence. It's providence. It's providence, the life's that are intersecting in your lives right now. It's providence. It's important to remember that the spies represent us, the believers, and Rahab represents unbelievers. Rahab is a lost woman disconnected from God, spiritually, about to face the judgment of God with the rest of the inhabitants of Jericho. Aren't you glad for Rahab's sake and our sake that God doesn't give us what we deserve? He gives us what we need. God doesn't see us for what we are. He sees what we what he can make us. God is far more interested in where you're going than where you've been. God is far more interested in where you're going than where you've been. There was something that set Rahab apart from all the other inhabitants of Jericho. Here it is. Though she was disconnected from God, the Holy Spirit had been working in her heart to receive the witness of the spies. And now she has a heart that desires to know the God of these spies. I call this prevenient grace. It is a divine grace that precedes human decision. And it could be a whole series about prevenient grace and things that I learned while I was in seminary. So on the other side, there are the spies who know and love God and his providence he brings these spies and Rahab together. Application. Here how, here's how God works. Step one. The Holy Spirit begins to cultivate, cultivate the heart of an unbeliever. Breaks up the hard ground. Remember some of you, the life that you were living before Christ and living for the things of this world and how hard your heart was. All right, what God had to do before you made a decision is there was provenient grace and he was breaking up that ground. Step number two, the Holy Spirit begins to stir the heart of a Christian. So he cultivates the ground. He's cultivating the ground. And, and in step three, the Holy Spirit masterminds a situation where the lives of the unbeliever and the believer, the lives of the unbeliever and the believer intersect. They intersect. 
and a seed is planted. A seed is planted. Someone had a conversation with you that didn't, that you, and you didn't know Christ, but someone did know Christ, and they had a conversation. Maybe it was just a simple conversation. It was just in passing. Or maybe someone invited you, like we talked about earlier. Someone invited you to a youth group or uh, a church service or, or whatever it was. Or maybe someone just invited you to come and serve with them. Let me just give you some biblical examples of God creating intersections. <clears throat> and I'm going to blow through these. In John 1, Andrew brings his fisherman brother, Peter, to meet Jesus. In Mark 2, four men on their way to church decide to stop and pick up a paralytic man. In John 4, a disgraced woman is drawing water from a well. And Jesus comes to her and says... If you drink of my water, you will never thirst again. In Mark 5, a woman sick for 12 years heard Jesus was coming to her town, and she touched him. In Acts 8, Philip's life intersects with an Ethiopian reading from the book of Isaiah. In Acts 10, God providentially places Peter and Cornelius together. The same Lord who orchestrated these connections is working in this community, in this church, in your life to do the very same thing. To do the very same thing. There is so much happening in your life right now that you just think is coincidence. I'm telling you what, it's God's providence. It's God's providence. At this very moment, God is preparing your life to intersect with the lives of those who need Jesus. Your life will intersect when you go to lunch today with someone. Your life will intersect tomorrow when you go back to work. Your life will intersect with someone at school. Of course, if you're in public school, you've got a few more days off. So we need to be praying for the parents. Because they're ready for you to go back. God is not interested in your ability. Let me repeat that. God is not interested in your ability nearly as he's interested in your availability. Your availability. Have you made yourself available to God is the question today. Have you made yourself available? Or are you always in such a hurry that you can't have a conversation with someone because you're off doing the next thing on your to-do list? We pack our schedules so full during the week that we are missing opportunities for our lives to intersect with people who desperately need Jesus Christ. And I'm guilty as anybody. Do you ask God to give you divine appointments every day? Listen, I'm telling you what. If you ask God to give you some divine appointments this week for your lives to intersect with someone else, I guarantee you he will do it. He will do it because you're asking God to make yourself available for that to happen. 
I was at a conference in Raleigh a couple weeks ago, and uh, uh, I was at a hotel in the morning just getting some coffee. That's all I was doing is just getting some coffee, all right? And all of a sudden, <clears throat> I get to know a lady just for a few minutes who's making the coffee I'm about to drink. And all of a sudden, the conversation comes, and she's going through a lot right now, and the conversation ends up with me wrapping my arm around her and praying for this lady who's going through so much right now. It can happen. It can happen to you on a regular basis. If you will just stop, slow down, make yourself available, and ask God to give you some divine appointments. You know what? You can have a divine appointment every time you check out. When you're grocery shopping, when you're at Target or Walmart. But you know what? You're so impatient. You're so impatient that you just want to get your stuff and get out of there. And God's giving you an opportunity to just say hello to somebody. To ask them how their day's going. Can you not just do that? I'm sweating up here. <clears throat> Notice I didn't ask you if you knew everything about the Bible. Love Jesus and love people. Love Jesus and love people. We make it so complicated. Just like we do everything else in life. We make everything so complicated. Love Jesus. Love people. If that's your takeaway today, great. You say, well, what if they ask me about my faith? What do I say? Like, how do I share Jesus? I mean, I know I've been a Christian for 20 years, and, but how do I share Jesus? Listen, answer these three questions. Three questions to answer about your testimony. This is how you share Jesus with someone. What was your life like before Jesus? Number two, what led you to make a decision for Jesus? And number three, how has your life been different after Jesus? I guarantee you, if you will go home today or tonight... And you will spend about 20 minutes answering those three questions, and you have them in your back pockets, literally and figuratively, and you get an opportunity this month, watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Listen, people can, can argue about Scripture, and they can argue about Jesus, but they can't argue with life change. You can't, if you share your testimony with someone... They can't say, uh-uh, that didn't happen. It's your life. How can, how can they say that that didn't happen when it's your life? And your life is the one that's been transformed. So take some time today, tonight, this week, and write down the answer to those three questions. And ask God to give you an opportunity to share with someone. He will. I guarantee you. 
You say, well, what if people ask me a question about the Bible and, and I don't know? Or they, they ask for some advice, a situation I'm going through, and I don't know what to say. This is what you say. I don't know. I do it all the time. Because sometimes I don't know. And I say, let me get back with you on that. You'd be, dude, you'd be amazed at some of the questions some of you come up here after service and ask me. It's crazy. Let me get back with you, okay? <clears throat> um, it's okay to say you don't know, all right? If someone's going through a situation, listen, man, some of you go through a situation, you come for me advice, I don't know what to say to you sometimes. And, and so I'm sitting there while you're talking, and I'm listening, but I'm asking God, God, help me. Because I have no clue what to say to this person right now. Just ask God. Just, just be a listening ear. You know, a lot of times people, people just want someone to hear them. Be a listening ear, ear and, 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 and be a caring person. Most of the time, people aren't going to be resistant as you think they are, as you think they are about sharing about your faith. You're not called to save people, but you can help lead them to the Savior. Listen, you do, your, you do your job, and God will do his job. You're not called to save people, but lead them to the Savior. Have you made yourself available to this church? Have you, have you made yourself available to the bridge? You know, we have a lot of unbelievers that come to this church. We have a lot of unbelievers that come to our three local campuses on a weekly basis. And we have a lot of unbelievers that come to the Goldsboro campus here in the city. Have you made yourself available? You know, when you have a saying that says you can belong where you before you believe, guess what? God's going to bring unbelievers to you if that's what you say and that's what you believe in. Just the other week, we had 16 first-time guests that came on Sunday, two weeks ago. 16. The first church I pastored had 40 people. God is bringing unbelievers here all the time. And when you serve and you wear a volunteer shirt and you put out a Mickey hand, when you open a door, when you when you give someone a tour of the campus, when you hand someone a cup of coffee, whatever it is, you're making a difference. You're making, and you're making yourself available. And if you're not making yourself available, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's why we have so many opportunities for you to serve inside and outside these church walls. When you serve, you are serving Jesus and you are serving people. And many of those people do not know Jesus. I don't know about you, but personally, the longer I'm a believer, the more I find myself associating less with unbelievers. And I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, it, it's comfortable just being around other people who believe and think the way you do. 
we're in the political season. Oh boy. When's the last time you went to coffee with someone who doesn't necessarily voting for the same candidate you're voting for? You say, well, that's going to have to be a God thing right there for me to do that. You know, but we, listen, you know, being a pastor, all my coworkers are Christians, I think. All my coworkers are Christians, all right? And so I have to be very intentional about spending time outside of these walls and getting to know people. I'm, I'm thinking about maybe joining a basketball league this summer and getting to know some people and showing my skills. I won't, I, won't, I won't tell you the nickname I used to have, Ballin', but that's for another time. Um, you know, Pharisees couldn't believe Jesus hung out with sinners. The religious rulers, it says that they looked on and they murmured when Jesus was hanging out with sinners. And they were off in the distance, murmuring, can't believe that. Jesus hanging out. Sinners. But then it says sinners were drawn to Jesus. Are unbelievers drawn to you? Are unbelievers drawn to you? They should be. And remember, you should be the one influencing them and not them influencing you. But unbelievers should be drawn to you. You know, we sang that song about how God's love is fierce. This is just a side note. I made a note while worship was going on. We talk about how God's love is fierce. But is your love fierce? Is your love tenacious for people? What about at home? Are you loving your, I've got the finger. Me too. Are you loving the people in your home in a fierce way? Do they know how much you love them and care for them? Not because you just say it, but because you live it out. Listen, here's what stinks. I am more loving and kind to some of you than my very old household, and that sucks. And that shouldn't be the case. Your love should be fierce inside your house. Your love for your spouse should be fierce. Your love for your kids should be fierce. Because when it's all said and done, and you're dying, and you're taking your last breath, the people around your bed, that's all that matters right there. But who are you living for? We're asking God to intersect our lives with other people, yet we treat people in our own home like crap. God's not going to honor and bless that. And you and I need to grow up. And we can, listen, man, we can raise our hands and your love is fierce. 
And then we get home and, and we don't treat our spouse like that. We don't treat our kids like that. It has to stop. It has to stop. If you don't love your family, how is God going to, if you're not faithful with that, how is God going to give you more and more opportunities outside your home to love people? Get that right. Amen? Just scared all the little kids in here. It's okay. Listen, man, I, I, I am, God's convicting me big time about that this week. He really is. He really is. So you can ask me how I'm doing next week. Give me one week to work on it. Number one, your, her conf confrontation. Number two, her conviction. Question, how could a pagan, a Canaanite, a prostitute ever have such conviction that she would desire to know God? Here's the answer. Conviction gripped her heart because she had heard about the undeniable, the unexplainable miracles that God had done in the hearts and lives of his people. She says in, in verse 10, how we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. We've seen, we've heard about the miracles that God has done. Miracles were happening amongst God's peoples, and the unbelievers were hearing about it. Dr. Stephen Olford said, if you can easily explain in natural terms everything that's happening in your church, then there isn't much happening. There should be miracles of life change happening that cannot be explained. There should be things happening in your life. There should be things happening in your family. There should be things happening in your workplace, in your community, that people are saying, that's a God thing, man. That's a God thing. But we're just okay with going through the motion and going through the routine. When's the last time you've seen a miracle? We serve a God that still performs miracles. When the power and presence of God is so evident and real in our churches that even the unbelievers cannot deny the miracles, it will bring conviction to the hearts of those without him. Rahab had heard how the Israelites were defeating the enemy, and the people of this community need to hear how God is using the people of the bridge to defeat the enemy. Amen? Two of you are excited about that. Awesome. Rahab was convicted in her heart when she heard of the miracles of God happening among the people of God. The Rahabs of this community are not waiting for another explanation of the gospel. They're waiting for a fresh demonstration of the gospel. They don't need another explanation. They need a demonstration. And you and I, we have been given an awesome opportunity with the worst devastation this area has ever had to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we don't take opportunity, this opportunity to love on people that are desperately needing Jesus, then we've missed it, man. We've missed it. So number one, her confrontation, confrontation, number two, her conviction, and number three, her conversion. 
Hebrews 11.31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab was saved from destruction because she responded to God in faith. In faith. And guess what? Her salvation led to her family's salvation. There's several unbelievers here this morning. Just think, if that's you, if you're an unbeliever, and you surrendered your heart to God, what God could do in your family. Husbands, dads, we are called to be the leaders of our homes. Just think, if you surrendered your heart to Jesus, what God could do, and if you stepped up to be the spiritual leader, and we want to help you be the spiritual leader, we're not going to just challenge you to be the spiritual leader and not give you the tools to be able to do that, but just think if you could be the spiritual leader of your home, what God could do through your family. Rahab says, you know, I'm saved and, and I'm thankful but I want to see my family saved also. When the Israel army comes in to destroy the enemy, I want you to rescue my whole family. Please, God, don't just save me and don't just rescue me, but my whole family. Man, that starts with prayer. We need to be praying boldly. You know, we, we, we read the Circle Maker years ago, and we were praying bold. And then some of you um, watched the movie. What was the prayer movie? War Room. War Room. Some of you watched the War Room, and you're like, yeah, I'm doing it. And you did it for about three days. Put up a list, man. Put up a list. Put it on the wall and, and, and pray with boldness. The spies told Rahab, to hang a red rope in her window. And when the Israeli army sees the red rope, they will know that no one in that house is to be harmed. No one in that house will face judgment. So what was this scarlet thread a type of, a picture of? Remember when the Israelites were in Egypt and God had sent all those plagues and, Egypt, and, and, and uh, Pharaoh would say, okay, I'm going to let you go. And then, and then he would change his mind, and, and then a plague would come, and, and then he would say, okay, I'm going to let you go. And, and, then, and then he would change his mind, and so on and so on and so on. And then one day, one night came where God told the Israelites to get an unblemished lamb and sacrifice it, and pour, and pour the blood over the doorposts as a sign. So when the death angel came, if it came to the door with the red, with the blood over the doorpost, that that house would be spared. That that house would be spared. Listen, that signifies and represents the blood of Jesus, the Passover. So you have the Passover, 
in Egypt. And then, and then you have this red rope that's dangling from a window, and Rahab's whole family is saved. And once again, we have an opportunity right now that if you don't know Jesus, you have to pay for your sins. That's the way it is. And you have an opportunity right now to say, you know what? I don't want to face judgment. There was one that already faced judgment for me and died on my behalf. And that was Jesus. And I'm going to trust him today. And I want to have life. I want to have life like I've never experienced before. I want to have freedom. I want to have peace. I want to have all all the things that God promises that I can have here now and forever in heaven. So my question is, are you available to be used by God? Who is the Rahab in your life right now that God has intersected your life and theirs? Is it you? Are you the Rahab in your life? What more does God have to show in order for you to believe? When your life intersects with someone, it will affect more than just two people. When your life intersects with someone, it can affect an entire family and an entire generation. Let's pray.